All right, thanks. You can be seated. We're continuing our series on the parables of Jesus Christ. Uh, A parable is simply an earthly story that Jesus tells that has an eternal or a heavenly application. Often what Jesus does is he takes familiar things and he drives home spiritual truth. And that's especially true in the parable we're going to look at this morning. Um, and the, it's known as the parable of the pounds. It's in Luke chapter 19. But before we get there, I need to give you a lot of background and a lot of uh, stuff to help you understand it. So uh, here's the first thing. Uh, this parable is very similar to the parable of the talents in the book of Matthew. Some people say that they are the same parable, but they're, they're not. Uh, The reason is, and there's a number of reasons, there are more differences in the parable than there are similarities. So, for instance, uh, in in this parable, they're on their way to Jerusalem. In Matthew, the parable of the talents, they're in Jerusalem. In this parable, uh, people are given the same amount. In the other parable, they're given different amounts. In this parable, there there is uh, different rewards. In the other one, it's, it's the similar rewards. In this parable... Uh, we have um, the message being given to the crowd, whereas uh, the parable of the talents is given to the disciples. So there are enough differences that we see these as two different parables. You also need to understand a little bit of history uh, when we come to this parable. So let me give you just a quick historical lesson here, because this parable has roots in a historical event. When Jesus is born, we have Herod the Great in charge. And you know how ruthless Herod was. Well, Herod dies. Jesus is probably about three years old or so and Herod dies. And there's a big conflict about who's going to take over now. And there's some debate about who exactly um, was supposed to take over. Uh, some say he, at the last minute, Herod changed his will and, and, and things like that. So there's some some differences um, regarding it. But there is a a young son, um, Archelaus, decides that he wants to take over. So what Archelaus does is he takes over and he starts ruling in Herod's place. Now the problem was that Rome hadn't approved it yet. So... He wants to make a name for himself, much like his dad did. So at one point, he actually goes to Jerusalem at Passover time and kills 3,000 Jews. He then has to make his way to Rome to get Caesar's approval on his ruling there in this area. So as he does that, he heads up to, to get Herod's approval. Well, because of what he had done in Jerusalem, the people in Jerusalem send a delegation all the way up to Rome. And they say, we don't want him as a ruler. You put him in as a ruler, there's going to be trouble. So now Herod's, or now Caesar's in a conundrum on what he does. Because not only did they rile up the Jewish people at Jerusalem, but the Jewish people that were at Rome got riled up. And so Caesar's kind of in this hard place. So what Caesar does is he says, I'll tell you what, here's what I want to do. You can go back, but you're not going to be king. You've got to earn the right to be the king. So he goes back, 
and he sets up a little palace area um, in Jericho. And he never gains the trust of the people. So he never becomes king. But he has enough power, enough authority from Rome that what he does do is he finds out all the people who were against him and he slaughters them. Uh, because that's just the way things happened back then. Now, all of that had happened 30 years before this story. But when we get to this story in Luke 19, as Jesus is, is telling this parable, Everybody in the area knows this story because we are literally just a few miles maybe from his, his palace there in Jericho. So with that in mind, let's read the story. And, and it, uh, the NIV uses the word mina. It's, uh, King James uses the word pound. Uh, here's what you need to know. It was about three months wages. Okay, So whatever you make, multi, uh, uh, month, multiply it times three. That's how much money we're talking about. Okay, So here's what he said. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. What has happened just before this is the story of Zacchaeus and the tree. And it says Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And so that's what happened. So that's the group. And he said, um, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem. And the people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. So he said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed as king, and then to return. So he called ten of his servants, and he gave them ten minas, or ten pounds. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. So he calls ten guys up and says, here's a pound apiece, go to work. But the subjects hated him. Oh, wait a minute, did I go too far? Oh, no, okay, yeah. Uh, Put this money to work until I come back. Wait a minute, is that right? Yes, okay. Hang on, my head's already where I'm going. So, uh, But his subjects hated him, and they sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and he returned home. Then he sent for his servants to whom he had given money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your pound has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came to him and said, Sir, your pound, your mina, has earned five more. And the master said, Do you take charge of five cities? Then another servant came, and he said, Sir, here's your mina, your pound. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you, because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in, and you reap what you did not sow, and don't you steal from people. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words. You wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why didn't you put my money on deposit? So when I came back, I could have collected it with interest. Then he said to those standing by, Take his pound away from him and give it to the one who has ten. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you, that to everyone who has, more will be given. But for the one that has nothing, even that which they had, will be taken away. But those enemies of mine, who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. So, you understand now why I said you've got to know a little bit of history to get the story in context? 
everyone that heard this story would have connected it to the previous to, to the story. So Jesus tells this, but he adds some things to it that were different from the actual historical record. Um, so as you look through it, he starts first of all with a nobleman. We know that the other uh, the other ruler was any of Herod's family were not known as noble people. But he talks about the idea that this man was noble. And what he does is he calls in ten servants, and he gives them each a pound apiece. And he basically says, here's a pound. Uh, I'm going to go away. Go to work with it. Do something with it. And I'm gone. And so he goes, he goes away. He tries to get the king thing. A group comes up and says, we don't want him to be our king. Uh, we don't like this guy. And so then what happens is the last one came. It's interesting, the last servant. We, we know three of the ten servants, okay? We know three of them. We don't know about the other seven, but we know these three. And so what happens is the king's servants, uh, basically the king says, okay, look, the la- this guy comes in, and it, it's interesting because the text says, and another servant. Uh, it's an interesting word because it has the idea that this guy is really different from the other guys. And it's interesting because... Jesus, uh, the, the, the king calls him a wicked servant. So there's some debate among Bible scholars whether or not this is a person who's a Christian. Okay, because of that. Um, in this story, he becomes the focus. Actually, seven verses are devoted just to him. And he basically says, what what'd you do with your end? And he says, I hid it. I was afraid. You're a mean, you're a mean ruler. And I was afraid of what you were going to do. So I wanted to make sure that at the end of the time, I gave it back to you. And he's condemned for that. Um, he's actually condemned for the idea because it was this idea that um, I, I wasn't going to do anything with it. And that's really the heart of the story. He didn't do anything with it. He was told, take this and do the king's business. And it's interesting because the guys who took risk were rewarded. The guy who played it safe, who didn't do anything with it, he's condemned. Um, So as you look at this story, and it's interesting because one of the things that it says is he was judged by his own words. He said, all right, you think I'm a harsh guy? I'll show you how harsh I'm going to be. And it's fascinating. Who does he give it to? The guy who had ten. Now, you want a political commentary on socialism? Okay? And we'll talk about that because it does have some impact um, on our culture as well. So let's talk about it, get a, make sure we understand the passage before we get to the application of it. The context of this whole thing is Jesus is about ready to go to Jerusalem to go to the Passion Week on the week of the cross. We're, we're within a month, a couple of weeks of the cross. What has happened is these people have followed Jesus and they think that Jesus is going to march into Jerusalem and he's going to start his kingdom. That's the whole idea behind Palm Sunday. They're praising him. They think he's going to rule. He's going to overthrow Rome. We're going to be free of Roman oppression. We're going to be able to... The Jewish kingdom... And this is the new king. And they are thinking it's going to happen right away. And Jesus tells this parable. Because he wants them to understand a few things. In a minute, in, in a short time, I'm going to a different kingdom, guys. 
And at that kingdom, I'm going to be declared king. After the cross, I'm going to be declared king. And at some point, I'm going to come back. And when I come back, there's going to be an accounting. And for those who have done what I have asked them to do, they'll be rewarded. And for those that haven't, they won't. And for those who opposed me, they will be punished. And he's, in essence, giving us a, a synopsis, if you will, of, of the kingdom is not going to happen, guys, in the next couple of weeks. The kingdom's a ways off. It's what you do now with what you've been given that's going to be important, guys. And so Jesus tells this story, this parable, for that reason. And so it's really about this idea of, of, of God and how he's going to work. So let's just talk about some things that you go, okay, cool story. Now, what about me? I'm going to work tomorrow. Okay? So let's talk about it in, in the real world thing. Here's what you see in this story. Every servant is given the same thing. Now, that's not true in the parable of the talents. It's true in the parable of the pounds. Every servant is given the same thing. And they're given how much? One thing. One thing. Every one of the servants. When the king leaves, he gives every servant one thing. Jesus Christ, in heaven, at the right hand of God the Father right now, sits waiting to come back and set up his kingdom. When he left, he gave every one of us one thing. Paul says it in Corinthians, glorify God in everything you do. Everything you need to do, everything you do should point to God. That's your challenge. That's the one thing. When you stand before me, that's the standard. Have you honored and glorified me with your life? Have you shared the gospel? Have you been a part of my kingdom? Have you told others about me? How do you... In other words, we've all been given that one thing. We've all been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we, we, we forget that. We forget that when we stand before God, it's not going to be, well, how much money did you make? Well, how many positions did you have? Well, well, you know, how far did you get in education? Well, how many friends did you have on Facebook? None of that's going to matter. It's that one thing. What did you do with the gospel? What did you do to further my kingdom? And I think we forget this. Um, the next couple of weeks in particular, you know, many of you like me, you're going to be at the fair. Uh, many of you are hip deep in summer stuff. Um, you know, I still, it boggles my mind that, that, that country people who live in isolation, who love their, their space for fun, take a camper and park it eight feet away from somebody else and say, this is vacation. Um, I, I, I just can't wrap my head around that. But anyway, you're going to be camping. You're going to be at ball game after ball game after ball game. You're going to be at the fair. You're going to be sitting there in the stands watching. You know, again, the whole fair thing boggles my mind too. Because I guarantee you, that is not how a pig looks during the day. 
I guarantee you. Okay? Been around enough farms to know. But we all go, oh, what a beautiful animal. Yeah, go see it on Monday morning after a rain. You know, you're like, well, it gets a special place. Yeah, I know all about that, okay? I, I get that. But you're going to be sitting there in the stands and walk with people. You're going to be walking and on the fairgrounds. And you're going to see people and you're going to... Here, here's what I want you to think about. The next time you're in a situation where you're in a crowd, when you go to work tomorrow, here's what I want you to think about. Where's that person spending eternity? They're eternal. Those people who sit in front of you, they're going to spend eternity somewhere. That person who's sitting behind you, eternity. That person who walks by you with their, all their stuff to sit down, eternity. At that ball game, that person that you're sitting next to at, at game after game after game, eternity. That person across the desk from you at work, eternity. What about their eternal destiny? We're stewards. We've been given one job. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Second idea is this. Every servant gives an account. We don't know about the other seven, but we, he focuses on these three. Every one of them has to come before the king and say, and the king says very simply, hey, what would you do with what I gave you? And they have to look at the king and say, you know, I was just really afraid. And I'm not a good speaker, God. And I know you're God, but I really don't, I didn't know if you'd give me like the right words to say or whatever. Every one of us gives an account. There are going to be some people who stand before God and God's going to say, you know, what'd you do with it? You know, well, you know, I'd like to have done more. But I did my best, and, you know, here, I know there were some people that I was able to share the gospel with. I think what's going to be awesome is when God says, oh, yeah, they're already here. Yeah, but they, they told me no, they didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, but you don't know what they did in the last moments of your life. By the way, you can go say hi to them. Why? Because what we've got to realize is that every servant gives an account, and we will give an account. Jesus Christ came the first time as our Savior. He's coming the second time as King of kings and Lord of lords. And there's going to be an accountant. You say, well, are you saying that you know, what I do gets me into heaven? No, no, no. It's not about, we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about what you did with your salvation. We're talking about whether or not you made an impact, whether you left a legacy, whether you were a testimony at work, whether people know about your Jesus because of the way you lived your life. That's what we're talking about. And I want to challenge you with this because we are going to give an account. And here's the thing that I think is amazing in the story. It's a conundrum to me. But here's the amazing thing in the story. Not only do you give an account, but you're rewarded, and the rewards are disproportionate to that which you were given in the first place. In other words, he's given three months' salary. He comes back, and three times ten is 30 months, divided by 12 is, yeah, two and a half years, something like that. A little over that. He's given three months' salary. He gets, he makes 30 months' salary. And 
the, the king looks at him and says, that's awesome return on investment. Hey, now you're in charge of ten cities. It, it, it would be like you and me. It would be like me giving you a dollar and saying, here's a dollar. I want you to go out and invest it for me. When you come back and you go, hey, you know what? Um, thanks for giving me the dollar. Here's ten dollars back. And I'd look at you and say, awesome. i got ten businesses I want you to run. That's, that's the analogy. It's that overwhelming. The other guy comes back and he goes, hey, I, yeah, I got, I got five pounds. He goes, great, I got five cities for you to take over. And the one guy goes, comes, hey, I didn't do anything with it. Here it is. And you know what's crazy about the story? He takes the one and he gives it to the guy with ten. And it's so odd because even the people who are listening to the story stop him and say, wait, 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 wait. Why the guy with ten? The guy with ten now is going to have eleven. And the other guy's only got five. And Jesus gives us an incredible principle here. To explain to us that when you can take care of, when you can turn one into ten, what can you do with eleven? Instead of what can you do with one who can only turn it into five. And the crazy thing is, the person who, was, who worked the hardest, who invested at the wisest, who made all of the smart decisions, he's given more. Why? Because we know he can handle it. And we know he can do a good job. You know, people in leadership will tell you this. You know who you get, if you want to get something done, you know who you find? A busy person. Because if they can handle all of their stuff, add another thing to it, they'll be able to handle it too. And, and unfortunately, it's true. And often this is what you see in Christianity, is God starts to see somebody using what He's been given to them, and He starts to add more to their plate because they are, they are, they are so incredible with what they've been given. And that's an important principle for us to understand. And for those of you who are in this culture, you know, we're, we're crossing this bridge in society, where we really are heading towards this socialist mindset, where everything should be equal. One thing you do see in the teaching of Jesus is that's not true. Um, you're going to see it in the parable of the, of the uh, talents. You're going to see it in other parables and teachings of Jesus. And it's as simple, this idea is, um, too much is given, much is required. It's this idea that he will, God will honor those that honor him. God will continue to add to those who he knows can handle it. And you see it over and over again. And in our culture, it's this idea of everybody's going to be equal. We don't realize what that does to a society. You know, you've got people running around right now talking about this minimum wage going to $15 an hour. You know what nobody's talking about? What happens to the guy who has worked his way all the way up in that company and for years has put in time and has been faithful and loyal and committed, and he's now making $15 an hour, and you turn around and you give that to the guy who just walked in. I've got no problem if you want to say, well, we're going to increase $8 an hour to everybody across the board who works. I mean, it would be a nightmare because we're just going to pay more for it. But um, we have this mindset that, no, everybody should be the same. And, and one of the things you see biblically is this idea that there are differences based on Effort and commitment and loyalty and faithfulness and those kinds of things. And in this story, that's what Jesus does. He says, look, the guy who's, who invested it, 
and, and was wise and took risk but was smart and got ten, I'm going to give him another one. Last thing is this. Make no mistake about it. God will judge. Um, as we're getting farther into the parables, if you haven't noticed yet, there are fewer and fewer parables to talk about. And there's a reason for that. The reason is because the last section of parables that we're looking at are known as the judgment parables. Where they deal with, with how God's going to judge. And you start to see a glimpse of it here. Where Jesus says, look, you need to understand, those who reject me, in this story, bring them in and slaughter them in front of me. That's some serious stuff. And in a story, you see three types of people. You see the people who rejected him, and God rejects them. You see the people who took what God gave them and were faithful, and God honors and rewards them. And then the third group is the people who God entrusted to, but they didn't do anything with it. My question is, what are you going to do with what God's given you? Do you see people this week? As eternal souls. Because they are. In some cases, in some cases, you, you are the person who is closest to them to share God with them. God has put you in their life for those reasons. I want to challenge you because we don't talk about this. Nobody likes talking about this. They're like, well, Pastor, you you know how hard it is to share your testimony? Yeah. Have you ever thought about my job? My job is a conversation killer in most situations. You know, you know what do you do? Oh, I'm a salesman. You know, somebody's all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like a switch. You know, we're, we're talking and they go, well, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. They don't know what to say. They're afraid to say anything because they're used to swearing all the time, first of all. And then, so, you know, you know, and, and, and so then they just clam up or then they start asking, well, you know, I've got this theological question that I want to ask. It's like, oh, no, let's, let's talk motorcycles, you know. Um, I mean, I got, I, got a, I got a strike against me the second they find out what I do. Whereas you've got an opportunity to be a real person in front of them who has struggles like they do, who's working sometimes the same job that they have and side by side with them, and you have an opportunity to say, you know what, look, I'm far from having my act all together. But I can tell you this. I can tell you that Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. And that when I take my last breath and stand before him, I will enter into his presence. And I have that assurance. You do have the opportunity And you've been entrusted with it. You've been given that. All of us have been given that that are believers. So I like what one guy said. Use it. Or you lose it. God will take those opportunities and give them to somebody else. And what a shame. Because I think one of the I think one of the most awesome, you know, what what's fun for us in our family vacation every year is that we just get to be together. No agenda, 
No, no stuff. We just get to be together and, and laugh and enjoy time together and just get to reconnect and all those kinds of things. And, and yeah, we get on everybody's nerves, but that's family. That comes with the package. Um, but we get to do that. And I think, how awesome to be able to do that for all of eternity. And how awesome to be able to have somebody come up to you and go, you know, you don't know me. Um, but, uh, give you an example. <clears throat> um, I've had different guys that have been a big impact in my life. You know, three off the hand, you know, um, Roger Bice and, and Pat Quinn, Don Ryerson. In heaven, there are going to be people that come up to them and say, you don't know me. But there are going to be people in P&G. They're going to walk up to them and say, you don't know me. But you had an impact on a guy by the name of Jim Thomas. And Jim Thomas had an impact on a guy by the name of Aaron Luce. And Aaron Luce came to our tribal elders and shared Christ, and they became a Christian. And because of our tribal area, I became a Christian, and I'm in heaven. I just wanted to introduce myself. Or you don't know me, but um, you gave money to this missionary in Yugoslavia, Serbia, who ended up with a van running around giving out gospel tracts, and I got one, and I became a Christian. Thanks for sending in that five bucks. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. The kingdom has a time element on it. But one day, Jesus Christ is coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. One day, we will all stand as his servants giving account for the what we did with the one thing he gave us. So here's my question. What are you doing with it? And what are you going to do with it this week? I close with this. The parable of the pounds reminds us that Jesus will come again. He came the first time as a servant. He comes again as king to claim his kingdom. Everyone will give an account to him. He will reject those who rejected him. He will reward those who faithfully served and glorified him. Do everything this week for his glory. And do not be like the unprofitable servant who made life about himself and not the business of the king. Let's pray. Lord, help us. It's easy to get so enamored with our lives and our stuff and our schedules and everything else that we forget the people that are in front of us. Lord, open our eyes this week. Help us to be able to, when we have those opportunities to share Christ, so that people may see you, so that people may understand, Lord, that there is a day of accounting coming. And Lord, may we lovingly, gently, kindly share that you are the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Use us. And when it's all said and done, Lord, may you be honored and glorified in everything we do this week.